It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you by KiteDesk. KiteDesk is the all-in-one sales development platform that lets you manage all of your sales development activities, such as email, direct dial phone calls, and your daily to-dos, all in one place to open up conversations, book more qualified meetings, and really create a predictable pipeline. KiteDesk Flow and KiteDesk Find allows us to find exactly the right people in the industries we're looking for, in the roles that we're looking for. That's KiteDesk customer Michael Orfis. Michael is head of sales at Stratified. In addition to the all-in-one management of his sales development team's days, KiteDesk helps him with another big part of his job. We have the ability with KiteDesk to do what we call targeted campaigns. Our conversion rate from what we were doing in the past to what we're doing now has been really massive. So you don't have to take tons of time to research, prospect, then blast large lists of people that never turn into sales opportunities. We're seeing higher clicks, we're seeing higher open rates, and without question, we've seen a massive increase in pipeline generation. So to learn more about KiteDesk, schedule a free demo, and learn how to create predictable pipeline at your sales organization, go to kitedesk.com forward slash accelerate. That's K-I-T-E-D-E-S-K dot com slash accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am excited to be joined by my guest today. Joining me is Diana Guerin. She is the irreverent sales girl. Diana, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you, Andy. I'm delighted to be here. Well, that's great. I'm delighted to have you on the show. So <laughs> take a minute, introduce yourself, maybe tell us a little bit about what you do, and, and maybe also take us back to the beginning. How'd you get your start in sales? Sure. Um, so, uh, as you mentioned already, my my name is Diana, and my uh, organization is called the Irreverent Sales Girl. So, what makes you and irreverent? <laughs> what makes me irreverent? Um, I'm willing to turn the sales myths on their heads, and Love it. yeah, and say it straight, and actually add a dash of humor to. Uh, to my message. So my my uh, tagline is bringing a dash of dignity to the art of selling, which not a lot of sales experts really love my tagline. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> the general public really still gets what I'm talking about. So well, let's, um, let's all right, you finished, we're going to come back to that. You so you finished talking about what you do. And then we're going to talk about dignity. Yeah, well, the whole idea, the whole idea behind uh, the irreverent sales girl and sort of the end game is that at, if I've gotten my job done, when you're at a cocktail party and you're introducing yourself as a salesperson, it'll have exactly the same reaction as I'm an architect or I'm an accountant, you know, just kind of like a, it's a profession. They don't need to run away from you at the cocktail party. You're not something to be scared of and you're not somebody to roll their eyes and say, oh, I just hate dealing with salespeople because I really believe that most salespeople are out there with a lot of passion, a lot of heart, I think it's a hard job. I think that the professional salespeople really actually do care about their clients getting a result that makes a difference for their business or their lives. And um, those are the people and their work that I like to highlight and elevate mm -hmm. and reward with my messages. Okay. So your business 
does a couple different things, as I recall. Mm -hmm. So what? explain what you do. Yeah, well, there's a couple. So one of the things that um, I've been told makes me a little bit different as somebody who publishes books or publishes blog articles or gets on the stage to talk about selling is that um, my daytime gig is I'm actually doing selling for clients. I have eight clients that outsource their sales activities to me. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I'm blogging and authoring and speaking about what actually is happening right now. So if I write a blog article, that thing in sales that I'm highlighting actually happened to me yesterday. Um, believe it or not, after the many, many years that I've had of successful cold calling and prospecting, I still get sweaty palms and my heart pounding in my chest when I'm about to make a call to a CEO. Um, so that's so I have two arms to my business. And I, I like to say it as I sell by day and I fight sales crimes by night. <laughs> so how do you fight sales crimes by night? You don't put on a costume or do you? Well, you know, the irreverent sales girl is her own cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I blog. Um, I have a stage show. I do interviews like this. Now, obviously, we're not well, doing wait, this at just night. Surf, but... I know, but you just sort of glommed right by the, the stage show. So <laughs> tell people, because yeah, and people can see this uh, online, is you know part of what you do for talking about sales and so on is you actually, you have a, I was going to call it a musical review, but you've got a stage show. Yeah, it sort of is. The the the, the impetus of the stage show was, I, I don't know if you remember, but, um, and this is probably going to date me a little bit, but um, I really was transfixed with Eddie Murphy and his show, Raw. Mm-hmm. You know, here's this guy that is breaking all the norms of stand-up comedy, and he's out, you know, in this red leather outfit and in your face and talking about how life really is and, you know, sort of turning assumptions on their heads. And um, I I thought it was such a powerful, cool way to deliver a message that I thought, you know, what if I brought something kind of similar to that to the world of sales? So we developed this stage show that includes animation. Um, it includes a band. And we really tailor and customize the message that we put forth to the audience for sort of what the client wants to be communicating either in their sales kickoff event or their sales recognition event. And, you know, it incorporates music and uh, different ideas that get supported by the music. And then, you know, we get people up and moving around. And um, it all came from somebody told me once that attending a sales conference was like wanting to chew his arm off. (laughs) And I thought, you know, I think we can do one better than that. I think that people deserve to be entertained. I think these people work hard and I have found that people absorb a new concept much better through entertainment than almost any other kind of uh, of learning vehicle. So, um, so that's where the that's where the stage show came from. Excellent. Yeah, I encourage people to check it out online. So you said you you like to stand sales myths on their head. So so give us um, you know one or two. <laughs> big myths about sales that you've confronted that you're standing on its head, standing on their head, yeah. excuse me. So two of my favorites are, um, you know, and I really love to get the audience going with this one is don't chase the no. You know, we're told over and over by sales trainers, you know, it's a cool thing to never take no for an answer. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, Andy, that we all remember that guy 
in high school who would not give up asking the girl to prom and it ends in a restraining order. And I just really love to give salespeople the, the, the freedom to not have to chase that thing that they didn't get a yes to. Um, one of my favorite uh, quotes was from uh, uh, Tibor, Tibor, Tibor Shanto. Tibor, I, yeah. Tibor, thank you. Um, where his mentor said, uh, you know, he asked, well, what do I do if somebody says they're not interested? And his mentor says, go find someone who is. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I, have so. that, I have that in one of my books, actually. It's not from him, but I had the same experience. I, yeah, it's funny. One of the real, uh, I don't know, I would say most controversial blogs I wrote a few years ago is, is, was titled, What to Do when the, After the Prospect Says They're Not Interested. And that was sort of the message I had, which was, you know, there's a test I give that you can sort of test to see whether they're, you know, they're ready or not. And, you know, sometimes no is just no. <laughs> and and the feedback I got, these people said, oh, no, no. Just as you said, we train our people that when you get that no, that's when you really start selling. And I'm thinking, gosh, I'm a business owner. I, you're a business owner. You know, when I say no, interestingly, I'm not lying. You know what I'm what I'm saying is no. Yeah. And and yeah, we waste so much sales time as a as a profession. I agree. Chasing those opportunities that damn people just aren't interested, they're not ready. Go spend your time appropriately. Yeah. Now, I mean, you can get interested in the no, like sure. ah, I get it. Thank you. Can you give me some feedback why this doesn't work? Because that's important for me as I develop myself and my craft. Um, and, you know, people love to help. But the, so that's one of mine. Um, the other one that is really one of my favorites is uh, I object to you overcoming my objections. And, um, you know, we have so many ways in sales training of the way that people talk about this managing objections. Mm -hmm overcoming objections when frankly when was the last time that you wanted someone to overcome your objection you don't you want people to listen to what you're saying and as soon as you call it an objection it puts you on opposite sides of the table from one another and i truly believe andy if somebody's giving me information about why they can't engage with me right now or what's in the way of them doing business with me, that that is gold. And it can be a conversation starter. And you could still argue that what I'm talking about is managing objections, but it's absolutely not. It is relating to another human as if they have something valuable to say, and you may or may not find a way to do business. And either way, you can have dignity in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and Back to the word dignity, which I think is a, a good word to add in there. I mean, to me, what I tell people, and I had this in my, my second book, is an objection is a question. Mm. That's all it is. It's a question. You're not there to manage sure. it. You're there to answer it. I yeah. mean, the reason they're <laughs> objecting is there's something they don't understand. That's your job as a salesperson. Right. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned, you know, I think this price may be too high. Well, that's, that's a question. The question is, you know, what is the value of this that you're proposing? You know, what is the ROI going to be? Or, you know, you just have to discern what the question is behind the objection and then, you know, phrase it back to them as a question. So, what you're, I get it. I, I appreciate that. So, you know, 
what I think what you're saying, what you're asking is this question is, you know, how do we do this? Or, you know, how can we give you the value or the ROI or whatever the situation is? And then answer the question that takes it away from that whole, as you said, that whole management overcoming <laughs> testosterone laden, you know, we're just going to beat this objection to a pulp type thing. <laughs> we are not going to battle every day to get you to submit to our will. We really are going to see if we can work something that's going to make your situation better. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's yeah. funny. So I think people sort of keeping that perspective then, yeah, and I think that's a, a great one because I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and sometimes objections are perfect reasons to disqualify prospects as well. Absolutely. And how great to move on. I mean, one of the things that I really love that you talk about is sales productivity. And it's not, you know, how many times can I contact somebody after they've told me no? It's, you know, how quickly can I get to the proper client with the proper yes? And that's productivity. It's not, you know, how many times you've beat on somebody's head but how many times you've put a business deal together. Yeah, I like to give the example of once I, just for the heck of it, I, I went to a uh, a Bentley dealership because I, I was just, I liked, at the time I liked this Bentley Continental and, and uh, sort of a friend of a friend that, who had a lot of money bought one for his wife. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I'll go check it out. Now, you know, I drive up and... Uh, I forget what I was driving at the time, but it wasn't. I certainly wasn't driving a Bentley. Uh, and <laughs> I'm sure the the salesperson on the floor was very nice and very polished. You know, saw what I drove up and said, "Yeah, quickly, I wasn't a prospect." But and there wasn't anything they could have done to have you know overcome my objection about if yeah, hey, this car, I can see you in this car, but yeah, I can't afford it. <laughs> um, and sometimes you know that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, sometimes something's too expensive for someone. Fine, go find someone who it's not too expensive for. Exactly. My first manager said, "Yeah, sort of the old fish in the sea story, right? Lots of fish in the sea." Go well, find, yeah, go and find, if go there find aren't, one. yeah, and if there aren't enough fish in the sea, then you're selling the wrong product, or you're in the you're at the wrong company, or you're in the wrong business, and exactly. that's something that's interesting information for you to know quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you sort of talked about something sort of along a similar line, and you've got a, a book coming out about sales readiness. So, uh, explain what you mean by sales readiness. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> um, as with most of the things that I publish, I came across this valuable information by experience because, um, you know, one of the, as I mentioned, the arm of my business called License to Sell, I, uh, my clients rely on me to do their sales and prospecting for them, and they only pay me if I get them a result. So you can only imagine how many companies are interested in using the services of somebody who's going to do their selling and prospecting for them and only get paid if there's a result. So what I learned through this process of onboarding clients is... Of taking you know, not, risk. <laughs> what? Right? What you learned through the process of, of assuming risk, right? I well, mean, you're, for sure. Yeah, because you sell on a commission-only basis for the most part. That's exactly right. Um so what I learned is, you know, not every company is sales ready. And I developed sort of a pro forma for myself to interview interview clients when they wanted to become a client. You know, what are the things that we need to be able to check off um, to demonstrate that you're ready for my services to sell your product? Um, and uh, what came of that was very interesting. A couple of my prospective clients took this checklist went away and started filling in, you know, the gaps and then coming back to me and saying, are we ready now? And then we'd like, you know, work through that. And so um, 
the it, it became sort of a consulting service for free um, that I was giving to these clients to get their businesses sales ready. But I learned a lot um, also about one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make when it comes to sales readiness is they think they're ready to go to market and they'll hire a marketing firm that they found like online, like this digital online marketing system is going to solve all your problems. And the consultant's going to charge you tens of thousands of dollars to do this big campaign and roll out. And at the end of the campaign, these people were having two or three leads total mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that they couldn't convert. And my, my question to them was, well, how do you go back? What have you said to this marketing group? Are you getting your money back or how are they being held accountable? And when they asked, you know, why did we get these crummy results? They're like, well, it just didn't work. Now, nobody was sending a check back to them. So um, I had a lot of I had a lot of concerns for these entrepreneurs. And I started to, you know, sort of uncover these elements of what makes a business sales ready and what makes it not sales ready for my own sake, because I can't spend a lot of time working with a client that isn't going to ultimately return on my investment. But also, you know, I find that it's kind of helping them build their business too. Well, let's talk about some of those. So the, the first one I think you identified as perhaps the number one mistake is that, you know, entrepreneurs or business owners, you know, people get into a new business or new companies is that they don't appropriately identify and validate the market. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's right. Um, so my question to people is, you know, what's the evidence? What is the evidence that somebody wants to buy this product at this time at this price. Um, because a lot of people are going to market with a new idea or they've turned something that was selling really well and decided that they were going to go into a new market with a modified version of it, you know, something along those lines. And, you know, you don't always know. You don't always. So I want to see that there's evidence that somebody is paying the amount of money that you're asking for it at the, um, at the time right now that, you know, that we're going to be out there in the marketplace and, um, you know, and that they're paying, they're paying the price for it. So I really want evidence that, um, that you can demonstrate that people actually want what you've got. So uh, that's sort of a conundrum though, for a new business is that, you know, the evidence perhaps is hard to come by. It's hard to say, okay, we're ready to start selling something because we've already sold it. But Another way to do that is actually to go out and actually talk to customers, right? Validate some of your assumptions or saying they're buying something roughly equivalent from somebody else. Well, that's right. I, I see. I would I would actually push back on that assumption a little bit because I find that when you listen to what people are asking you to provide in their lives, um, that you will stumble across those products that people are ready to buy, and they're coming at you all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and this is exactly how I built my business. I have to tell you, I did not go into business for myself to be cold calling and prospecting for my clients. I really wanted to build all of the Dash of Dignity stuff and the author and the stage show. And that's all absolutely happening. But what I found was when I would go out to people and say, you know, I am getting scrappy and I want to bring money into my business. What do you need me to do? What I saw was they knew that I was an awesome salesperson they're like, well, I would really love it if you were doing my selling for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it just turned out that it's something I love and it's something people wanted. And I would have never dreamed it up. So when I started listening to what people expected from me and wanted from me, that's when I started building a really lucrative product. Um, yeah. So that's why I mentioned before is talking to customers. Is, oh, yeah. Is that's, you know, if, if you're not selling it, 
go talk to customers, find out if they want what you want. I mean, it's not like you're doing extensive market research, but you got to validate the niche somehow. Well, and some, exactly. And some businesses that are building uh, a new product, a new mousetrap, um, and they have a significant hefty investment in the development of that product, instead of spending a lot of money on a marketing firm or a PR firm to push out what you've built, I think it's not a bad idea maybe even to invest in somebody who's a market research professional. Just divert those dollars that you were going to create in marketing and develop them towards market research so that you really get a good understanding of, you know, how big your total market is, who's willing to buy, who is buying, you know, those kinds of pieces of information allow you to go to market much more um, intelligently. So another area that you talk about that that's sort of a key indicator of, of sales readiness, but also a, a mistake that you made is that uh, entrepreneurs hire too soon on the sales side. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if uh, I, I am suspicious of a business owner that can't sell their own product. Oh, I agree hundred <laughs> percent. I, 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 I talk about this all the time is that if you're the entrepreneur, you have to go out and sell what you're doing first. You need to understand what makes it sell. You know, not, there is not one of my clients that can't sell their product better than I can. Do you know what I, I mean? Sure. No, 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 wait. Uh, opposite way around. There's, I can't sell, I can't sell my clients better than they can, you know? And oftentimes what I'm selling, Andy, is the opportunity to have an appointment with my clients so that we can put the deal together. Do you know, like mm -hmm. when they demonstrate that they really are invested in the relationship, then they get to talk to the business owner who's going to solve a problem for them. So, um, so the people, and I don't mean you have to be a salesperson, but you've got to be able to speak effectively about your product and passionately about your product so much that somebody wants to try it or experience it. Um, I, the, the business, there's no better salesperson than the business owner. Um, and I think once you get to sort of your own capacity as the business owner, or you know that there are people out there that want to buy from you, but really you want to spend your time working in different parts of the business, that's the time to start considering bringing a sales professional on. But I think business owners think that they've got something and the market should want it. And then they hire a salesperson who's supposed to be a crackerjack and then the salesperson fails. And, you know, it's, it's a story that I've seen many, many times. So the other thing that goes along with that is in terms of hiring too soon, as, as you talk about, is not having a list, not knowing who to call on. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, people hire salespeople and then say, okay, go find the people to talk to, which in this day and age is, is, is sort of backwards and, and certainly a, a waste of time. Yeah, in the old days it was, here's the phone and here's the yellow pages. Or here's, right? here's Hoover's. Exactly. That's not a list. Um, now, this, is, this has been a criteria for me bringing people on, um, on as a client. Um, and I think that you can start a little bit more rudimentary if you're the entrepreneur that's selling for yourself. But if you're bringing on somebody like me to sell for you or somebody into your business full time, I think you really need to have a few things. I, need to, I think you need to have, you know, who is the title that we sell to? What is their name? What is their email address? What is their phone number? I get a lot of clients that want to come to me and say, hey, we'll just scrape LinkedIn and can start selling from there. And I, I, I say, well, no, because I don't have a phone number for those folks. Um, and then you've also got to have a trigger. Like, so what is the likely trigger? What is it that makes us think that this person on this lead list 
is actually somebody who's going to be interested in what we've got. So those are the five things that I want in a lead list to take a client on. Mm -hmm. So how often do you find that they don't have it? Um, my clients have got it. And, you know, to be fair, the, it doesn't have to be the comprehensive set of people that you're calling on. But when I've got 20 names, titles, phone numbers, emails, and triggers that I can start selling to, then it gives me the, um, the information I need to hunt for other people that are similar buyers. So it's not that you have to have a comprehensive list. It's that you've got to have a really workable, tight list to start with that informs your sellers on how to find those other people that make for good prospective leads. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, in some degree, you're defining the persona. You know, exactly. who, who's your ideal client profile? Exactly. And yeah. once you understand what your ideal client profile is, then yeah, you can go find other people that look just like or similar too. Exactly. So, um, yeah, you talk about, I guess we talked about this before, is that, you know, got to be wary of, of entrepreneurs that can't express their own value proposition, um, which I find sort of interesting because to me it's sort of a chicken and egg is that I've seen a lot of times with, you know, entrepreneurs, small business CEOs, they've got a value proposition and then they hire salespeople and, you know, salespeople can't, can't sell it and they modify it. They end up, you know, modifying it on the, on the fly in the field and, yeah, then it's then it's often it's very unsatisfactory because it's it's not it's not uh, right on point anymore. Well, that's right, and it, you know it's it's funny. I think that the word value prop or the phrase value proposition has become sort of misunderstood. So the way that I like to say it is: Can you articulate the value of your offer from your customer's point of view? Um, and this is where people run into trouble because I talk to a lot of business owners that say, well, you know, the value proposition is that you get this feature, this feature, this feature, this feature, this feature, and this benefit, this benefit, this benefit, this benefit. And I'm like, well, no, my idea of what, how can you articulate um, the value from your customer's point of view is what was happening in your customer's life or business before you showed up? What was the aha moment that made them realize that it was time to do business for you with you? What was it like to do business with you? And what result did they get in their business as a result of working with you? That's when some when somebody can say those things and I hear it from their customers, because I do like to do customer interviews and I sort of couch it as getting testimonials about the client. Um, then I know we've got a value prop. But until then, these I think a lot of business owners are hiring salespeople with a whole set of, you know, the portfolio of benefits and features, but they can't articulate what was happening in that person's life, what made it obvious that they should do business with them, what was it like to do business with them, and what have they experienced as a result of doing business with them? That arms a salesperson with some really good stuff to go to market. Well, let's talk about the aha moment, because I, I'm sort of fascinated by that that whole topic and i and i talk about it quite a bit actually and and when i give talks to groups and so on is because i think to me the aha moment is that moment when the customers made that emotional commitment to do business with you yeah and it precedes getting the order by days weeks or months sometimes but there is that aha moment when the the switch flips 
in the mind of the prospect. So what do you think sort of makes that happen? I mean, I've got my opinions. I'll share mine after you give, after you give yours. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a complex issue. Do you know, um, and I, I think this is one of the reasons why business owners really need to dig in and do a customer satisfaction survey and dig in and ask these questions of the customers and start to hear them in their own words. But just to kind of give a sense of what I mean by it from a very, very simplistic kind of point of view, you've got a 28 to 34 year old woman who is single and then she gets married and then she gets pregnant. All of a sudden, this person and her family members are a good prospect for a baby stroller company. But all the time that she was single, all the time that she was just married, all of those times, she was not in the market. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So um, I could develop a buyer persona all day long about a 28 to 34 year old woman, but then, you know, who influences her about which kinds of strollers? So those are those are the things that I think that people really need to understand. Um, and, and maybe in a more complex sales environment, I think one of the things that's been really brilliant about content marketing done well is that I do believe that people are doing their research more on the internet and digitally before they engage with a, sure, with a um, company. And what's awesome about content marketing is, I mean, when you think about it, Andy, when are the times that you're going out and looking for resources from experts? It's not when you've got a good idea about the problem. It's not when you, it's when you're failing to solve a problem. Um, maybe you're just a lifetime learner. And so you're always looking at resources. That wouldn't surprise me about you at all. But as somebody who's running a sales team or as somebody who's running an organization that needs to be selling products, I start looking for that kind of content when I'm in a bad spot. So I think that's what's so brilliant about content marketing is um, those people are raising their hands as a possible, uh, you know, possibly needing to have a conversation with you. Now, they may not be ready to buy. And, um, and then I think you also have to cherry pick based on your personas that you know about the right clients. You don't call on everybody. But um, I think those are good indications of you might be facing down a trigger event. Conferences are a great place. Mm-hmm. If people are attending conferences or trade shows, you may know that they're in the marketplace. But I'm interested in your ideas. What What are well, your I was, ideas? I was thinking about that that aha moment, right? For me, the aha moment is is a level of commitment, if you will, on the part of yep. the buyer. That ah, this is this is who I want to do business with, mm-hmm. and and I think those moments happen uh, not because. Your product is great, not because you know you've the best value, the best ROI. Because chances are, the prospect and the buyer sort of already knows that to some degree, right? I mean, yes. they've done their research. There's increasingly there's a, a great book out which I've been talking a lot about recently called uh, "Absolute Value." What I think at the subtitles: What truly influences customers in an age of nearly perfect information, and what. What these researchers have found, and the authors found through their uh, professors at Stanford, is that, um, yeah, contrary to popular belief, that actually buyers today actually are not overwhelmed by the information that's out available online. Is they're actually quite adept <laughs> to using that information yes. to reach position to sort of make what we call that good enough decision, where they they can understand what the experienced value will be of, of a particular product or service. Yep. And so when they sort of reach that point and then they still have some remaining questions that they 
they have, then they they need to talk to a salesperson. Yep. And and at that point, it's really what my belief is, my experience, and my own research has shown, it's really what the salesperson does from that point forward that creates those aha moments that mm. that solidify you as the the emotional choice, if you will, for the buyer. And so it could be something as, as simple as being incredibly responsive. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a commitment as an organization, as an individual to say, look, I'm going to, customers call me, I get a lead, I'm going to be back to them in five minutes. I'm mm-hmm. going to follow up every phone call I get from a customer or a prospect within 10, 15 minutes. You prioritize that. It's those little things that start making the difference. So ask great questions, right? That's something yeah. that they can have a, a huge, a huge impact. Um, so there's just, I think, a series of of behaviors or what I call sales habits that that uh, put you over the the finish line, if you will, with regard to those aha moments. Yeah, because like, what people are doing, projecting, you're the forming a perception of you, and then from that percep- perception, they're projecting what it'd be like to work with you and your company as a customer. So it's that buying experience. To me, that buying experience is driven by by you know just a few things that you can do as a sales individual to to make a difference and to differentiate yourself from everybody else. I completely agree. Oh, good. Well, we can go home now. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. We're done. We're done. And we're done. Um, well, and I think that's where, I think that's really where um, natural genius starts to come in. I, I think that some of our salespeople are sort of overtrained and behave like robots. And, you know, the reality is, is when I get somebody on the phone who has expressed some kind of an interest, there is a particular way and a style that I have that is just so perfect to who I actually am. And I, I'm not talking about authenticity, but I'm talking about I'm a real human over here having an, a call with a real human over there. And frankly, Andy, you and I could be as effective with the same incoming lead, but the conversations would sound dramatically different because your natural genius is different from mine. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I really encourage people to do is, you know, play the scales. The scales are the scripts. The scales are the, you know, holding yourself to a discipline of outreach and those kinds of things. But then let it wail. When you got somebody on the phone, you know, let it wail. Um, well, there's no one. And that's, I, I agree. I think that one of the disservices that that perhaps is done to newer people in the sales profession is, is we're certainly more scripted than we've been at any time in the past. And the impression people would take away from the script is there's only one path to success. Right. That somehow somebody has vetted these questions, and these questions are the end-all, be-all. And yeah. if I just say these things, and to your point, yeah, that's not the case. You know, there's there's as many individuals, different individuals as there are in the world, there's as many different paths to success with a, with a prospect. And you sort of said, you know, you're not talking about being authentic, but I, I think authenticity is, is part of it. I mean, you, you develop your own style. Sure, absolutely. And it may be your own questions that you ask. Is you can't be right? afraid to you can't be afraid to venture off and try something new because I guarantee there's questions you can ask that are way more effective than whatever's in your script because that's what works for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was listening to some recorded calls that uh, some SDRs had made, and they're from a very well known company and. Very well trained, I know. I know the guy that runs the sales team. Um, but it's just painful listening to it. 
It's so awful. Because they were, they were, I think, I don't know if they felt honor bound to follow the script or maybe they just weren't as curious as they needed to be, but, but they would ask a question and the prospect would answer. And then there'd be this pause where the person clearly is writing a note. And then they'd say, okay. And then they go to the next question that was on the script. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, this person just opened the door for you. <laughs> are you going to go through the door or are you going to completely ignore the fact the door is open? And they would ignore the fact the door is open and go to the next <laughs> the next question on the script. Yeah. It's like, no, no. Yeah, well, I, I lay that at the feet of management often. Oh, yeah. Um, if you don't if you don't give your salespeople the ability to get out there and take risks and uh, and go off script, which a lot of these companies don't. I mean, they're listening to every call. They're you know they're evaluating every word that was spoken. I mean, that's a too terrifying. I I couldn't perform in that kind of a sales job ever. So um, I think you know companies like Zappos that allow their people to go off script and take risks and make big mistakes, that's where you're going to unleash the natural genius that lives in your sales team. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's right. Exactly. I love the phrase, the natural genius. So uh, now we get to the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And first one, it's a hypothetical scenario. And you're this just primed for you. And in this in this uh, scenario, you, Diana, have just been hired as VP of sales by a company whose sales have stalled out. And the oh, C- Lord. CEO is anxious to hit the reset button, get things back on track. So you're in charge. What two steps would you take your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Oh, that is a great question. Um, well, that's why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> well, you know, to be fair, um, I have always been a really great salesperson and maybe not the best VP of sales. So sales management has not been my thing. But to um, to kind of take a stab at those two things that I think are the most important, mm-hmm. I think the I think first is most important to really understand is the company that I'm working for sales ready and what are the pieces that need to be filled in. So I'd kind of check off the boxes. Um, do Are we ready to take an order? And what I mean by that is do we have statements of work? Do we have proposals, contracts, like if somebody says yes, (laughs) what action happens that actually completes the sale? Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, a lot of companies don't even have those pieces in place. Um, Uh, No, not surprising at all. (laughs) The second is, are we able to service an order? So if my salespeople are bringing in business, can we service it to the satisfaction of the customer that my salespeople have put forth in front of them? Because the fastest way to kill a sales team is to um, destroy the reputation that they've uh, built with their customer by not delivering on the service. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing I'd ask is, you know, what's the evidence in the marketplace that people are buying our at this price um, and uh, and buy- buying it today? So what's the evidence of that? And if you can give me some evidence of that, then we can start to really look at the value proposition, which in my words is, can you articulate the value of your offer from your customer's point of view? In other words, what was happening in their business or their life before they started doing business with you? What was the aha moment that made them see that it was time to do business with you? What was it like to do business with you? And then um, what was the result that got created in their business or their life because they did business with you? And when they, when the company can share with me, not a set of features and benefits, but this is what our clients say, and this is what they do, and this is where they are when they buy from us, then I know that we've got something that we're going to be able to train our salespeople in. Um, 
And then the fifth thing that I would say is, okay, what's our lead list? Mm-hmm. You know, where's our database? Who are we calling on? Why are we calling on them? What's their name title? Do we have phone numbers? Um, the fastest way to kill a salesperson is to force them to find contact information and give them no tools to do it. Right. Um, that will demoralize a, a, a person. So do we either have the tools to get that information or do we already have it? Um, and then, you know, start start hiring the salespeople. And there are plenty of people who can give great advice about that. But those are the things I would have in place prior to building my team. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. So now some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or elaborate if you wish. So when you, Diana, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? My sense of humor. Who's your sales role model? David Sandler. What's the one book besides any of your own that every salesperson should read? <laughs> besides my own. Um, oh, Lord. Uh, Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. All right. Okay, last question for you then. This is a tough one. What music's on your playlist right now? Uh, Ambrosia, How Much I Feel. Got it. Okay, good one. All right, well, Diana, it's been great talking to you. So tell folks how they can connect with you. Yep, um, the best place to find me and my favorite place is Facebook as the Irreverent Sales Girl. And that's spelled all with E's. There are no A's in Irreverent. Um, or you can um, find me on my website at www.isalesgirl.com, and that has all my connectivity information. Got it. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your daily routine to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that, take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Diana Guerin, who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.